Live from the mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Hello again, gentlemen, and welcome to yet another episode of the world-famous Mountaintop Podcast. My name is Scott McKay, at Scott McKay on Twitter, Real Scott McKay on Instagram, Scott McKay on YouTube. The website is www.mountaintoppodcast.com, and as always, I invite you to join our Facebook group, which is called the Mountaintop Summit. With me today is a returning guest a member of the XMY Communications Extended Coaching Team and a longtime friend of mine. He is a hypnotherapist, a certified hypnotherapist, that is. His name is Clovis Colley, all the way from sunny Omaha, Nebraska. Clovis, how's it going, man? Hey, how you doing, Scott? Good to be here. Yeah, man. Good to have you back. The last time we had you on, we had a real barn burner of a conversation about limiting beliefs and it was wildly popular with these guys. And I know lots of guys have talked to you and uh, taken advantage of your services since. So we wanted to have you back on to discuss something that I know you've been thinking about and talking about a lot lately because it comes up again and again in your practice. And that's this idea of toxic shame and guilt. And we have named this particular episode, appropriately enough, Shame and guilt suck. So uh, you know what? First of all, Clovis, tell me why this topic is so meaningful to you. Well, you know, this is this is where I come from. And these the these are the things that I have had to resolve. Uh some of them with your with your help has guided me onto this path and, and some other work that I've done. And you know, the old stupid thing that people say, you gotta be yourself. You know, there's that's really, really a complicated thing. It's not as easy as it sounds. And so along my journey, I found out that I really kind of had this phony self build up. And I further learned that that phony self was built to avoid toxic shame, guilt, trauma. Some of us get banged up growing up, you know, and I certainly didn't have the worst childhood. I didn't have the best childhood, but I have some things to contend with. I was I was pretty well picked on growing up. I was a scrawny little thing and really didn't know how to fight. And, you know, I kind of took the brunt of it. And I was not popular through school. And so I had to try to develop this persona. And when you walk around in life with this persona, people smell it. And it doesn't smell good to them. They, they want to see the real you, the you that trusts yourself, the you that's connected with yourself. And so I had to to really work on myself to get rid of this all these special things I had to do and none of them needed to be done. All I needed to do was relax into just who I really am. And that's what we're going to kind of unwrap here today. So you're saying this idea of shame and guilt that goes along with it are somehow associated with, you know, feeling like you have to cover up who you are and what you're about, perhaps out of fear that other people won't accept you as you are, or perhaps because in reality, you're seeing that people don't accept you as you are, even desperation to get people to like you or want you or to approve of you, that uh, you somehow feel like you've got to camouflage because you can't let the world see your pain, right? Well, that's absolutely it. And so, what the idea is here is when people shame you, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. When they shame you, they're trying to say you're silly, you're dumb, you're unacceptable, you look goofy, uh, you're bad, uh, your desires maybe for the opposite sex are bad. 
that maybe even you're evil, maybe that you're worthless and, and you're nobody even wants you to tap back into the last uh, podcast we did. You start to develop beliefs about yourself that just really aren't all that useful, that you're unwanted, unlovable, that you don't fit in. And none of that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Clovis, before we delve any deeper into this, it's probably best if we throw out some sort of definition of what shame and guilt are. And I'd welcome your opinion on that. I've always thought of it personally as shame being that recognition that you've done something bad in your own mind. And sure. guilt is the emotion you feel towards that. Yeah, I think that I think that's a fair assessment. Um, first of all, let me let me say this. I believe guilt is about a useless emotion. It's useful only to the extent that it keeps you from doing something improper, bad, or maybe bad towards your fellow man or woman. But to just carry it around for no reason or for something that you didn't corrected years ago is useless. It's just a waste of energy and time. Right. So guilt, for example, to kind of flesh this out a little bit, make something tangible out of it, as it were. Guilt can be warranted or not. You may have not done anything that really affected others negatively, but you still feel terrible about it. And if you were perhaps able to see that through the clarity of a positive self-esteem or lack of shame about other things in one's life, then you would be able to eliminate that guilt. Correct. Now, on the other hand, there are plenty of people who do shameful things. Things that are unethical or perhaps even evil and apparently feel no shame whatsoever over it. I mean, they perhaps may even know they're doing things that are shameful and see them as shameful, but they're proud of it as opposed to feeling guilt over it. So guilt can be misplaced and sometimes the shame can go on without guilt. So one thing is for sure here, if nothing else, that's guilt and shame are not absolutely synonymous, right? Well, I think they're close enough for the purposes of our conversation. And I, who you're referring to are shameless people. Well, I would say the shame is there. They're just guiltless over it. I mean, if somebody does something shameful, it is exactly that. But people can go through their merry lives simply continuing to be shameful without any apparent negative regard for it in their emotional state themselves. I would say guilt is feeling bad about something you've done. Or perceive yourself to have done. Right. And shame is feeling bad about who you are. Now, that's an interesting insight. It is. They're, they're kind of the same type of emotion, but they're directed in two different places. So guilt is more circumstantial and shame in your opinion, is something that's more holistic in terms of your self-esteem and your whole worldview towards yourself. Right, right. And if you're carrying around this toxic shame about who you are, of course, people are going to give you advice. Be yourself because this you that's ashamed of yourself is not working for you. Because everybody else is trying to forgive you, except you won't forgive yourself. Well, that's usually the case. And I usually agree. Usually how you reach such toxic shame is you happen to be around one of these shameless, guiltless people that their shame and blame shifting onto you and they're projecting the wrong things that they've done onto you while they whistle on their merry way going through people's lives like a tornado. Well, give us some examples of how that would look. Well, you know, I kind of remember um, 
you know, I'm going to date myself here. I'm, I'm 50 years old. And I, I remember working on the farm and, and being with my friends. And, you know, I'd be down to like 30 degrees and you'd be wearing a coat. And, you know, maybe maybe Korean vet dad would come out and he'd go, oh, you're wearing a coat. It's only 32 degrees, you pussy. And that, that would be kind of toxic shaming, you know. And if you, you know, I remember being 90 pounds and trying to carry 200 pounds worth of stuff and, and being shamed that I was unable to do that. Uh, and and kind of in the old days, there was a lot of that going on. And they thought that was a good way to motivate you to be a man is by embarrassing you for being unable to complete a task that maybe you're not quite ready for. Um, that's just one example. So unreasonable expectations of any sort really can cause someone to feel shame over not having been able to do that. And then they feel guilty because they weren't able to please the parent or whoever sure. was trying to impose that on them. Now, what you just mentioned is often one of the signature arguments for the toxic masculinity crowd in general. We as men are trying to tell our boys, you know, our sons to man up, you know, stop crying, stop acting like a wuss, just get done what you have to get done. And sometimes we're not allowing our sons to grow up the natural way and we're putting expectations on them or leveraging them in ways that even most adults don't have expected of them. And, you know, as much as we rail on the societal denigration of masculinity and femininity in this society, certainly there are men out there who do bad things in the name of masculinity and who are exhibiting those toxic shades of masculinity as the virtues get corrupted by vice. So when we have an overbearing father who expects too much of a mere child, I do think that's absolutely toxic and it will absolutely shame a child. But I don't think it's necessarily uniquely a masculine trait either. Plenty of mothers shame their daughters and their sons. So just to be clear here, parental shaming is the topic here in general, not masculine shaming in particular, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you did make a good point. I remember, you know, maybe in the 70s and 80s, guys that were in the military, they would apply everything they learned at boot camp to raising their kids. That's not a good strategy to raise kids. You, you don't <laughs> raise kids like little army men. They're, they're, I once lived next to a family who had several kids, and both parents were lieutenant colonels in the military. And to say that they had a hard time separating work from their home life was an understatement. It was poor children. <laughs> you know what I mean? It right. was evident even as they were outside playing and doing their thing day to day. Another thing I would say about that is is uh, I call it the burnt hamburger phenomena. <laughs> nice. I want to hear about this. The, the hamburger comes out rare and almost bleeding. And you say, hey, this isn't quite done. And then they take it back to the kitchen and bring it back out. And it's a it's a piece of charcoal. I think a lot of people tend to take things to extremes and they never find the middle ground with things. And sure, you got to put some pressure on your kids to behave, but you can't put so much pressure on them that you're going to fracture their personality. Oh, yeah, I think that's absolutely well taken. And something that came to mind when you said that is this whole idea of taking ourselves too seriously, which has become a societal phenomenon. I mean, we're all imperfect. We're all going to mess up. And I have guys who will call me up, Clovis, and they'll say, oh, this person disrespected me and I've got to go make this right. And I always say, you know, is this the hill you want to die on? Because there's tremendous power in saying, so what? 
I mean, we can get oh, on Facebook, we can get on Twitter, and someone doesn't like our politics, and we say, oh my God, I'm unfriending you, and I'm going to block you if you ever come back here again. And all the person did was bring up a point that was somehow counter to our own, and now all of a sudden they have to be shunned, and they're an enemy, and I am so disrespected and so hurt. And really, this goes hand in hand with people not thinking too much. And not being able to really find their identity and process what's meaningful to them. So they lash out at others in shame and perhaps even guilt, I would say, in a way that helps them protect themselves. So when we're talking about this inability to take ourselves less seriously, what taking oneself too seriously means is internalizing everything to the point of pain. And that pain turns into this toxic shame and guilt in many ways where we feel like we have to offload it. And the only way we can offload it is either by lashing out at someone else or somehow having this vendetta against those people who hurt us, whether they even realized it or not. There's tremendous freedom on the other hand. That comes from simply letting it go and saying, so what? I mean, other people are broken. Other people had a bad day. They're narcissistic or manipulative or whatever, and I'm just not going to let it affect me the way that they want it to affect me. So when people find their sense of humor and can go ahead and pass off things that aren't out to literally get them in life and therefore find some genuine visibility into figuring out what's really going to cause them pain or damage and getting rid of that versus slashing and cutting after things that really don't matter in the end. You know what I mean? And this seems like something that a lot of people are letting get at them these days. You bet. And I got a good answer for that, I think. And it it really shifts us into the next thing. Part of what I wanted to talk about here, when somebody narcissistic comes around or maybe verbally abusive, or maybe they're just loud mouths and boisterous, which doesn't necessarily qualify them as a, as a pathological narcissist. But if they're, if you're that raw and they say something to you for that to work for them, you need to be insecure about it. And when you take care of that insecurity, those uh, lousy things that they say about you fall on deaf ears. You don't even notice it. It doesn't, you don't feel anything when they do it. It just seems silly. Why would somebody say like something like that? Sounds like they're having a bad day or that person looks like they're out of control instead of you losing control and lashing out and, and looking like a fool. Well, to that point, here it is. When people are very quick to shame others or try to cause other people to feel guilty, a hundred percent of the time, I don't say always very much, Clovis, but a hundred percent of the time, they're projecting their own shame and guilt onto someone else. They're trying to oh. offload their bad feelings onto someone else to make them feel better. Either they're coming from a position of confusion, uncertainty, or they know they're up to something selfish, but as soon as they start trying to shame others that quickly, without any good reason and without any recourse, to the point often of even gaslighting other people, in other words, blaming them for that which they themselves are doing, then it's just absolutely apparent. And I still remain nonplussed over and over again, Clovis, by the sheer percentage of people who have no idea that's going on, who can't see that. They can't see that forest for the trees. But yeah, anytime someone is very quick to insult you, blame you, shame you, you know, 
you can just look right back at them and think to yourself, silently, if you will, that's probably best because you're just going to ignite their passions even more by giving them the vitriol they're actually probably looking for. Just silently think to yourself, yeah, you know what? This person is projecting onto me. I'm not going to receive this. I'm going to laugh it off. I'm going to tune this out and go looking for more positive influences in my life. It's no wonder that, you know, the self-help gurus out there constantly harp on eliminating negative people from your life. I mean, I think they're talking about chronically negative people. If someone's having a bad day and they vent and they do that because they trust you, I don't think it's like you should say to them, oh, I need to get you out of my life because you had a bad day. I think, however, when people are chronically negative and they start blaming and shaming, which goes hand in hand with being chronically negative, right? I call it the schlep rock factor, you know? Sure. <laughs> they have a dark cloud hanging over themselves and they start feeling that schlep rock schadenfreude, if you will, where they feel like they need to take everybody else down with them. And when someone needs to take everybody else down for apparently small picayune reasons, it's because they're already feeling down themselves. Like I said, a hundred percent of the time. Right, right. This harkens back to a time my, my son was here and he had used the shovel uh, to get a rock out of the ground. He snapped the shovel. And my friend really tried to embarrass him over that. As a matter of fact, my friend was kind of losing control of himself. And he goes, You're over there like a teenage boy acting like an idiot and practice. And my son just stood there and looked at him and he goes, Oh, okay. Why do you say that? Okay. Your point's taken. This is a 16-year-old kid, and I was absolutely floored how he stopped my older friend in his tracks. My friend had nothing to say to him, and my son just maintained this composure that was just rock solid. And, um, you know, hopefully we have sons that we learn from as well as we teach things, too. But, you know, this is a great segue to, to one of the things I wanted to talk about, and that's humility. And people mistake humility for self-deprecation or putting yourself underneath others. And nothing's uh, nothing's more quite incorrect as that. When you're humble, you're even with the rest of the world. You're not better than anybody else. You're not worse than anybody else, but you're in the world participating. And when you're humble, those searing things that people say to you just don't have any traction with you. It's a very freeing place to come from. Yeah, you know, and that idea of humility goes hand in hand with what I just talked about, taking oneself less seriously. You rarely see someone who's humble and not on the arrogant side, as it were, going on and on ranting about how they've been disrespected, especially, you know, famous people in the media, right? Right. You're not going to be able to control uh, what people say about you, especially the more popular and the more well-liked you become. If you become well-liked, you're going to be under fire, so you better be able to, to be ready to handle it. And especially if you start getting traction with quality women, people will be upset with you, and you'll have, to, you'll have to be ready to weather that. Oh, yeah. You can't be successful and or be any kind of public figure if you're wallowing in shame and guilt and not expect tremendous emotional pain to come from that. That's a fact, and people rarely realize that ahead of time. Let's talk about this idea of boundaries. Sure. <laughs> and go for it. I went for years and it just seemed like, um, what do I want to call it? Lofty talk or, or happy slappy talk. And after discovering what boundaries are, I found that, that a well balanced man has boundaries. 
And the type of guy that we're talking about, maybe that's having a lot of trouble getting his dating life going, who's the pushover, the guy that you could throw a saddle on and ride, he's boundaryless. The guy who has a hard time saying no, right? Right. And not being able to say no, that is very, very unattractive. And it's also an invitation to the types of people that will take advantage of you. Now, the, I think the, the guy that's refined himself knows where his boundaries are at and knows how to assert those boundaries calmly. And people take him very seriously because he, they know he means what he means. And one of the boundaries would be an emotional and mental boundary. You don't get to come by and tell me I'm silly. I'm not going to participate in that. Maybe we're, we're going to go back to what we talked about. You're not going to get a rise out of me. I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum, but I'm not going to give you any weight when you come and try to make me look foolish. Okay. Well, perhaps one of the ironic features of this conversation is that people give you more respect and take you more seriously, even as you take yourself less seriously and stop projecting the shame and guilt onto other people. It's like magic. That's true. Another boundary is having righteous anger. Now, you don't get angry when somebody says something about you. It doesn't affect you. But when somebody borrows your tools and doesn't bring them back, somebody borrows your tools without asking, somebody insults your girlfriend or your wife, you, you put your foot down and you say, that is not acceptable. And I won't put up with that. Well, the pattern I hear you weaving here is that this need to be liked or this fear of being shamed is what drives people to be timid and not set the boundaries. But on the other hand, when you know you have a point, you actually gain more respect and you become more successful a human being when you go ahead and make that point by being assertive. Assertive people get more respect and are shamed less by others than people who allow themselves to be a doormat. Shy people, people who can't defend themselves, people who can't speak up for themselves perhaps ironically to those people who believe that's going to work for them, I might add, end up getting shamed more by others, not less. You know, they think they're getting out of the way, but they're really stepping into their own way in terms of being shamed or thought poorly of in general by other people. And as they get shamed, it becomes not only a self-fulfilling prophecy, but they start digging the hole deeper for themselves. They wallow more in their shame they retreat more into shyness, they put up even fewer boundaries, and people roll their eyes and respect them even less. It's really a painful, destructive vortex that feeds on itself and and uh, really just gets worse over time. So my question to you, Clovis, we talked about a lot of unfortunate situations and mindsets here and how they negatively affect us. How do we start digging ourselves out of that hole of shame and guilt um, that, you know, Let's be honest, none of us is absolutely free from. All of us feel some shame and guilt to some degree. What's the way out? What's the path? Well, I think, first of all, you know, there's a lot of paradoxes in this, but there are a lot of things that are absolutely so straightforward, they're obvious once they're said. And what I would say that's obvious here is if you want to be an esteemed person, you do esteemable things. You act like a man. You accept your responsibilities as a man. And you don't let people try to run you out of your manhood. You stand your ground, but you do it like a rock. You don't do it by being a braggart and a show-off and a loudmouth. You be a man by being a man and doing 
masculine things. And that's number one. I know that I have looked at my dark side and that's a topic for a whole different podcast, but I know that if I had to, that I would, I would get ran over by a bus to protect my daughters. There's just no question in my mind when it came to protecting my girls, I would stop at nothing to make sure that they're safe. And I'm not kidding about that. And I've looked at what may happen and what kind of choices I may have to make if something were to come up. And that brings up a good point that plenty of people have a hard time unblurring the lines between that which is ostensibly shameful and that which isn't. I mean, virtue and shame are arbitrary concepts in today's world in many ways, at least in many situations. Yeah, there's a disparity there. I see some folks that don't have it at all. And then I'll meet some kid that's 16 or 17, and I cannot believe the kind of person that this kid is. But the disparity, the, the chasm between the two seems to be getting wider and wider. I don't quite understand what's going on there. Well, I think we've lost our moral compass. Everything is variable nowadays. Well, it is. And it's time to grab that compass. And I think people are very, very hungry. You have to build a good set of values. You have to master your dark side. You have to look at your demons, your trauma, and look at things the way that they really were. Now, I didn't want to blow how bad my childhood was out of proportion, but I totally ignored some of the ugly things about it. And I had to go back and face those things squarely and go, those were kind of bad things. I had to deal with it, but now I'm done with it. And I don't talk about it much because it's it's put away. But you, you have to know where you're going, too. I don't think your personality is any one way. I think maybe you have some propensities. But I think you need to be refining yourself as a person all the time. I think it's one of the most worthy goals is to grow who you are as a human being and learn how to be better to other people, learn how to give more, learn how to be more of service to your fellow man. And I, those are just such important things, how to provide value to the world and be part of society. You know, what I mentioned before about how people on social media nowadays are very quick to block others and get angry at others simply for disagreeing with them. And I think that has everything to do with what you're talking about. When people have no compass, when people don't know what their own values are because they haven't taken the time and made the effort to think it through, when they haven't had the character to do that, They'll end up biting off and chewing whatever's thrown at them by whatever political party, whatever religious cult, whoever makes them feel like they should be a part of what they have going on. And then people don't think for themselves. People don't think a chess move or two ahead. And so whenever someone comes along who threatens their safe space, I mean, literally, that's a term that's used by such people, they lash out. They block you. They report you. They want you taken down. They make bad reviews on Yelp about your restaurant, whatever it is they're going to do, they do. And that attempt to shame someone else comes full circle to them feeling shame and them feeling guilt because they don't know what they believe. They don't have anything grounding them to help them feel good about what it is they believe or what they do because it's vacuous. It's empty. So, Perhaps, as you said, it really is the first cardinal rule to digging oneself out of this hole of shame and guilt, to do the work, to do what it takes to figure out what the hell it is you believe, 
Where is your identity? Where are your values? What is worth standing up and fighting for? What hill will you die on? Rather than just avoiding everything, sticking your head in the sand, and when people come and challenge whatever it is you thought you believed because someone told you to believe it, instead of shaming them, you'll be able to have a much clearer perspective on whether to fight on that hill and stand up for what's right, or just let it go and stop, well, taking oneself so seriously like we've talked about several times on this show already. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, and for me, if I'm in service to my family, if I'm in service to my fellow man, if I'm in service to my God, nobody can hurt me. Nobody can do anything that my skin is not thin because of those things. And so I think it's incumbent upon everybody to take care of their physical health, their mental health, their spiritual health, the health of their social relationships. And just get in there and dig in. And just about everything that you say, we could sum up by you just saying, just be a good guy. Just be a good man. Clovis, what would you tell guys who are listening to this podcast, thinking to themselves, all right, yeah, you know what, Scott and Clovis, here's the deal. I absolutely do the right things. I was raised right. I live and behave in a manner that shows I have a conscience, that I have a grounded belief system. And yet people still shame me. I'm made to feel like I'm the bad person for not playing along with the vice everyone else is trying to influence me towards. It seems like the more people try to do what's right, the more I try to do what's right, the more we lose in today's world, the more we get shamed by others in today's world. And, you know, a lot of guys are feeling that. And what would you tell those guys, Clovis, especially given the fact that Man, it seems like a lot of the people who aren't doing the right thing are out there winning. Is that just an illusion or is that reality? What would you tell these guys? I, I wouldn't buy that. I think anybody that's doing the right thing and they're doing it diligently is going to come out on top. And if, if we want to get a little bit lofty, I'm going to tell you, I can look myself in the mirror when I go to bed at night and uh, feel pretty good about who I am. Now, that doesn't mean I, you know, I made a major mistake in my life here recently and I'm going to have to fix it. And you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and look at things squarely. But if you're surrounded by people that are constantly shaming you, get rid of those people. Go find some people that support you. But I think another thing that you'll find is a guy that's up to good things doesn't have a lot of free time to go hang out and do nothing because he's productive. So let's judge you on, well, maybe not so much your intent, but the direction you're heading in, what you're trying to get done, what you're accomplishing. You're always going to have detractors, especially the more successful you become. And I went from kind of regular blue collar guy to business owner and what I'll tell you about people, the more successful you become, the more fire you, the more fire you seem to draw. It's just part of the deal. And you got to just brace up and have a backbone and just the old duck oil, just oil your back up. Let those things that don't matter go. Just let them slide right off. <laughs> slide off the, slide off like duck oil. Yeah. You know, if you have a significant audience or, you know, Scrap that. If you have any kind of audience at all, if you're out there socializing with people and everybody agrees with you all the time and everything's always hunky-dory, first of all, you're probably living in an echo chamber, getting all your news from only one source and, yes, not thinking for yourself. But it also could be that your conscience is so watered down and you're so busy trying not to offend anybody that 
No one has any respect for you. You get real respect when you stand up for what you believe in, let the haters hate, and still keep doing it anyway. I mean, you know, anybody, male or female, who's ever changed the world was a troublemaker. You know Absolutely. what I mean? The feminists like to talk about how every woman who ever changed the world was an upstart and a troublemaker, but I don't think it's gender specific at all. You know, it's like the uh, old trope that's repeated and attributed to lots of people, including Gandhi. First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. You know, if nobody's laughing at you, maybe it's time to look in the mirror, like you said, and figure out if there's anything you really believe that's driving you. Because anything worth believing in is going to be worth disagreeing with by someone else. And you can quote that. Right. Well, what I would say about that, you better learn how to laugh at yourself, too. And you've, you've said that. I'm just saying it in a different way. But Yeah, beautifully put. You need to be a good sport. You just need to be a good sport. And if somebody makes fun of you, you got to artfully redirect that. Humor is the tool of the guy that's in control. Wow, that's powerful. I think, <laughs> I think that is. Very true. I don't know where that came from, but but uh, I think it came from your raw intelligence. I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah, and on that note, I want to give these guys a chance to get to know you a little better by sending them to a website that I've created for you since you're a member of our team, specializing in hypnotherapy. So, guys who want to get over addictions, maybe get over shame and guilt, they can schedule a session with you, Clovis, and get on the road to conquering that. And if you'd like to know more and perhaps schedule such a session, go to www.mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Clovis, C-L-O-V-I-S, and uh, get to know Clovis a little better. And I'm positive you'll be glad you did. Clovis, what a great conversation, man. It's good to have you back. And uh, listen, man, I appreciate you. You're a good friend and an even better dude. And I think these guys can sense it. Thanks again. Thank you, Scott. Um, let me throw one last thing in, and that is that. Yeah, man, for sure. That is that I, I use plenty of tools. Um, I got some really good communication skills that help spiff you up so that you can communicate more directly, that you can dig in and be a relaxed, really cool version of yourself. We use hypnosis. We use some emotional freedom technique. I've got a bag very, very full of tools that suit whatever need you're looking for. Yeah, I think going along with that, it's a good idea to tell these guys it's not some airy-fairy thing or a stage performance show that they may associate with hypnosis. This is about getting inside your mind and rewiring your mindset so that you stop doing what damages you and start doing what's going to, well, lift you to greatness. And that's what I appreciate about you and your work, Clovis. And uh, if it were any other way, you wouldn't be here, man. Thanks a lot, man. Love you, Scott. <laughs> Love you too, man. Love you like a brother. And to all you other brothers from another mother out there, if you haven't yet been to www.mountaintoppodcast.com, be sure to go there and get you some. We not only have links to Clovis and other folks who are a part of the X and Y Communications Extended Team, you can also download free reports on how to be a better man and how to deal with the sticking points you have in your day-to-day -day life with women successfully. You can also get on my daily newsletter where I'll give you fluff-free advice on how to be a better man and to get better with women. You can also get the YouTube version of each and every podcast from episode number 150 on, as well as a transcript of those podcasts. And most of all, you can schedule a free 25-minute call with me personally to talk about 
getting your nose out of the books, getting you from behind the keyboard and getting you out into the real world where you can experience what it's like to build grit, determination, and the wherewithal to really get better with women, to get what you want out of your life and be the man you've always known you were born to be. It's all there for you at www.mountaintoppodcast.com. And until I talk to you again real soon, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Mountaintop Podcast is produced by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the free X and Y Communications newsletter for men. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the Mountaintop Podcast.